Thanks for tuning in to the Southern Fruitcast. This podcast aims to cover the people, technology, and latest developments in small fruit production in the Southeast. We are brought to you by the Southern Region Small Fruit Consortium and the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. I am Dr. Aaron Cato, Extension Specialist for Commercial Fruit and Vegetable IPM at the University of Arkansas. And I'm Dr. Amanda McWhort, Extension Production Specialist for Fruits and Vegetables at the University of Arkansas. Okay, so today we have with us Randy Arnold. Um, how you doing, Randy? I'm doing great. We're glad to have you here today uh, on our podcast, Randy. Well, thank you, and I'm glad to be able to attend. <laughs> so, Randy, um, we're going to give a, a quick introduction uh, so that some of our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So, Randy Arnold owns Arnold Family Farm in Alma, Arkansas, with his wife, Vicki. Together, they run a highly diverse farm uh, and have farmed for over 20 years, and they currently grow strawberries, vegetables, and raise cattle and poultry. I think, Randy, you've told me that you harvest a little over 20,000 eggs a day. Is that right? Yes. Um, and so he stays very busy with his, with his farming operation. Uh, and the Arnold Family Farm is well known in the area for their strawberry patch, which is an integral part of the community. The Arnolds market their berries through the roadside farm market to you pick customers and through sales to local schools and a farm to school program. They also hold a yearly on farm festival called Fun on the Farm that hosts a thousand students from area schools who visit the farm and learn about agriculture. Randy, we're really glad to have you here today to talk a little bit more about um, what you've learned uh, in these last 20 years of farming and growing strawberries. Well, every year is different. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get into specifically how this year has been a little different. Um, but let's just start off with, uh, you know, could you tell us a little bit about your farming operation, you know, more than a little bit more than Amanda just did? Uh, well, you know, we started with breeder hens, uh, where we collect fertile eggs, go to the hatchery every day. And then oh, 11 years ago, we saw a need for uh, strawberries in our area. So we started out uh, small there with a half acre and expanded to five acres of strawberries. And then uh, we have, uh, we'll grow, we've got pumpkins uh, now and uh, we got tomatoes and other vegetables during the summer. So tell us a little bit about how you've expanded on uh, your strawberry production. So you started out with, you said a quarter acre and how much do you have now? Well, we started out with a half acre, half acre, and that's been recommended, and that's what we tell everyone: start small, uh, till you learn, you know, what you're you're doing, because it's a very expensive uh, startup on on the strawberries. And uh, you know, as we grew and learned what we were doing and expanded our market, uh, we grew to five acres, and which is somewhere around sixty, uh, you know, thousand plants. Mm-hmm. So when you were first starting off, were you marketing primarily as pick your own or how were you selling your berries? Uh, we had a, some pick you own and then we just had a stand here mm-hmm. uh, on our farm and uh, people would come and you know purchase from us. Right. And have you shifted at all over time in what cultivars you're growing for your strawberries? Uh, 
Yes, uh, you know, we you talk to other growers that, what works for them, and we started out with, uh, you know, some Chandlers and uh, some Camarosa, and, uh, and, you know, that worked pretty good for UPIC and Roadside. And as we grew, we got into uh, more wholesale and selling to schools and, uh, and the, you know, the varieties that works great for us would, uh, would be the Camino Real because they have a better shelf life and they, you know, they last up into the warmer season. We also plant some sweet Charlies uh, that we have, you know, we'll have them early in, uh, for our customers before the Caminos come on. And then every year we try something new. Uh, this year we're uh, uh, trying some Fronteras. We heard they have a great taste, and they might work on our farm with the UPIC and mm-hmm. some of the through our store. Yeah, that's great. So, um, Randy, just to expand a bit more on this year, could you tell us how COVID-19 affected your operation and market sources this year? Uh, yes. Let me step back a little bit there and how the weather affected it first with, you know, hail on Easter to freezes, you know, early in the year kind of mm-hmm. set us back. Uh, the, uh, the demand for strawberries was great. Uh, we had no problem getting rid of them. Uh, our U-Pick... Uh, we never experienced anything like we had this year. We opened one day and had to try to close by noon. We had 300 people show up. So we were just not prepared for that. Uh, people were looking for something to do. So after that, with not the best of berry, you know, the, the, this year, uh, production wise, we just really never opened our U-Pick again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as far as next year, uh, we'll have to see, uh, you know, how, what kind of uh, season we're going to have, and then we may have to go to a uh, uh, reservation to come out and pick. Uh, you know, so make sure everyone has berries to pick, and that uh, you're not overrun with uh, with people. Um, so, whenever you got that hail damage in those berries, did you just was it just a total loss on those, or were you able to sell those? Did they? Uh, end up going through maturity where people would buy them or what? We were able to sell a lot of them. Uh, what it did, it hurt the plants, you know, a lot too, mm-hmm. knocked some blooms off. So it uh, set us back for about three weeks on some. But the, the berries that did survive, we were able to sell. Uh, they did have some scars on them. Mm-hmm. But uh, the demand for berries was so great, you know, it didn't seem like it, uh, you know, it hurt the the, the sale of them. It was just that we lost, pretty well lost three weeks there at the first of the season when we didn't have many berries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, even the peach growers kind of near you had the same um, thing occur where we, we saw them early in the year. They were scared about all the hail damage, and then uh, people just bought them. They, didn't, you know, they stopped caring as much because they just wanted some fruit. You mentioned that you do a farm-to-school program, so that's one of your market so- sources. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yes. Uh strawberries like a lot of crops will start slow and then you have a two or three week period right in the middle that you're just covered with berries and that you you need to market and uh how i really got started there was a a lady from boonville school saw my ad in the paper and she called me and uh we'll know she could if i could sell her some berries to schools and and i did and she's helped me out a lot with other schools and the nutritionists and uh 
And then I just start getting on the phone after I learn and start calling schools. Uh, you know, got berries. Uh, it's great for the school lunch program. Are you interested in it? And then I'd have to try to uh, educate them on how they do purchase because a lot of them didn't know at the time. But mm-hmm. uh, since then, the uh, Department of Agriculture has hired uh, a person, uh, Sarah, that can go that goes around and helps uh, helps the schools. Uh, to, to learn how to purchase from lo- local farmers and, and, and what to purchase and how. But, uh, uh, you know, I just sat down one day and started calling, asking for the school nutritionist and, you know, started talking to them. And as of right now, I have 14 schools I was selling to. I think it's great for, you know, the kids in school to learn that, uh, you know, that the that what they're eating is locally grown. I've actually went to a few schools and, and spoke, uh, on, you know, locally grown. Uh, I think in the federal schools, they have a sign up that where the strawberries come from, uh, you know, with, uh, for local. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's teaching our youth that, uh, you know, locally grown products, you know, is, uh, is a good thing. So do you know how they're using uh, the strawberries when they buy from you, Randy? Are they uh, just serving the product fresh? Or are they doing any processing? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Right now, most of them are just serving them fresh that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they just cap them, wash them, maybe cut them in two, and, and serve them fresh. Uh, I have talk, spoke with uh, a few schools that maybe in the future – that uh, since we have a licensed facility that I can freeze uh, berries and sell it mm-hmm. to them later in the year. Okay. And uh, so there's a few schools that has shown interest in that. Yeah. Have you heard anything from the schools as far as having to, to do that kind of processing step, even if it is a fresh product of having to wash and cut? Um, do they have any problems with that, or is that something that they're already doing with other things on their menu? That is something that they're doing already okay. with other products. Yes. So are there any, like, uh, other schools that you, so you said, I think you said 16 schools that you work with. Are there any that, you know, weren't weren't open to that idea, or they've all been pretty open to, you know, buying strawberries uh, from a local source like that? Well, they was all interested in it, and then, uh, you know, I might have them call another uh, nutritionist and, uh and talk to them, see how they're doing it. And, uh, and then, you know, of course, they always had to get permission from the schools to be able to do it. But it, it's come a long ways, and there's a lot more schools, uh, especially your uh, smaller, mid-sized schools. Uh, some schools only buy from uh, vendors and doesn't buy, you know, uh, locally and all, unless you can sell through the vendor. But uh, federal schools is big and uh, locally uh, purchased uh, locally grown uh, items and they'll even mm-hmm. buy stuff in the summer and their cafeteria will process it mm-hmm. and to use during the year later in the year so uh, they are a good source to uh, uh, you know have someone call and see what's going on but mm-hmm. uh, with the department of ag putting on uh, uh, different classes and all and helping to uh, uh you know, show what value it is to the schools and to the local farmers. Have you seen any interest in other small fruits like uh, blackberries or blueberries or anything like that? Do you think they fit in at all to the system? 
Uh, it does, but why strawberries fit so well, school is still in session. Mm-hmm. Where blackberries and blueberries, uh, I do sell some blueberries to school for summer school projects, but not as big a volume as you would your strawberries uh, because, you know, there's not many in the uh, summer school program. Uh, so that's why strawberries fits in real well. It's because it's during school time, mm-hmm. and they can use them right then. Uh, I think, you know, maybe apples in the fall works well. And that's one of the, the tricky things about selling to schools is you got to have something, you know, when school's in session to sell them. Uh, unless they're able to process them or you're able to process them or whatever and then sell to them. Well, Aaron, if you don't have any more questions um, about farm to school, we might pivot a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Randy, I think it's great that you kind of have this very diverse marketing strategy where you're, you know, selling a little bit direct to the consumer where they're coming out and picking, but you also have these other markets. Um, Seems like it makes it easier for you to be able to pivot when something like this happens with COVID where, you know, one of your markets, like the schools, is suddenly not no longer available, but you still have these other options. Yeah, uh, strawberries do not have a shelf life, so you have to move <laughs> the berries. In right. Place, so. Well, the, the one other thing that we wanted to talk to you a little bit about is um, this other program that you run on your farm, and it's the Fun on the Farm program. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the history of that program and how you got it started? Uh, yes, it was through our extension office, uh, ooh, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. And they were interested in putting something on in the county. And uh, basically, we just kind of use our farm uh, for it, and the Extension Service puts it together. And then we have, you know, all kinds of volunteers, you know, Farm Bureau, Farm Credit. Oh, and, and, you know, the Forest Service, the the, the dairy uh, and all that comes out and helps with it and all. And we started with a half a day. and it's grown to three days. And like you said, somewhere around 900 to 1,000 students plus parents come out wow. in those three days. Mm-hmm. And we'll have like seven different stations that uh, they rotate through, get to pick berries. And, oh, you know, uh, Smokey the Bear is usually here in the Forest mm-hmm. Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the uh, fake milk cow. They learn, you know, uh, you know about that. Uh, they have a beef station, learns all that comes out of beef. Uh, we have a beef uh keeper here and uh he you know they really enjoy that uh, sits and sees the bees and he talks about that oh i say different stations you know i'll have a kind of calf put up and a horse in the lot or something for him to look at but mm-hmm. uh, it's been a really big success but three days i said that's enough a lot of the help or most of it we have volunteers but a lot of it is your uh, ffa or your uh, 4-h students they're able to uh, come out and volunteer that, uh, you know, they lead the tours. We still have the adults here and all, but, uh, it, you know, ever, you know, it's, it's a great success. We were not able to have it this year mm-hmm. uh, because of the virus and we missed that. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just a great deal. The parents, you know, uh, they learn a lot too uh, on things, you know, how things are grown and, uh, uh, some things they might not know, but uh, it's I say nine years, ten years, I believe, has been going on. So uh, it uh, it's it's been a real success, and uh, uh, you know, even uh, we'll have the 
the children out here, and then they may come back next week or so with their parents that wasn't able to come to pick strawberries, you know, and they're able to tell them that, you know, don't pick the white flowers because that is a uh, berry in, you know, so, uh, 21 days or so, you know, the, uh, or whatever it is. And my mind's gone today, but yeah, uh, on that. So, uh, so you know, uh, you know, they know that too. So, uh, and uh, we, you know, they were able to go away with some uh, knowledge about agriculture mm-hmm. and have a good time too. Yeah, no, that, that sounds like a great program to really get, get kids involved and, and have a better understanding of, like you say, just the all different aspects of agriculture and then also get people to aware that your farm is out there and that you're growing strawberries. Because mm-hmm. um, you do the, the fun on the farm around strawberry season? Yes, we do it during mm-hmm. strawberry season. So one of the... Uh, the seven stations is uh, uh, they get to pick strawberries, and we give them a little container. They can put them in and take back to school with them or home. So, uh, you know, and uh, if it's, you know, strawberries come on different times, sometimes uh, middle of April towards the end, it just depends on the on the weather. And uh, there's been one or two years that the berries wasn't ready to pick when they came out. Mm, but, yeah. uh, we were still able to show them and uh, – but most years they can pick berries and take them back home with them. That's great. Yeah, especially for that area where, um, you know, it's more of a cattle or um, a little bit more row crop once you get into the valley. So kind of see more of the specialty crop, especially fruits, is I think really, really important, you know, near the Fort Smith area. Yes, yeah. And then uh, uh, we were, before, able to take them into the chicken houses. We cannot do that anymore. And, uh, so, uh, but we will have some out here and tell them, you know, that, uh, uh, explain to them about the roosters, the chickens, and, uh, you know, there's where the 21 days comes in for hatching an egg, you know, uh, to, uh, to, you know, uh, become a chick and, you know, they learn some things about that. So, uh, we just try to cover a lot of areas that might interest them, uh, in a hurry for them. It, uh, it's, it seemed to, it's been great. Uh, we get responses back from the teachers, you know, uh, feedback from them, and, you know, it's great. And, uh, so we just, hopefully this year we can continue. No, I'm sure it's, uh, it's a, a lot of effort on your part, but uh, a really nice thing for the community. Yeah, we enjoy it. And like I say, it is a lot of work, but we do enjoy it. See the, uh, uh, the, the kids and even the parents have fun. And like I said, we have a lot of volunteers that help. So that makes it, uh, and we are still picking strawberries and doing our work and the eggs and all while this is going on. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Randy, I think we're going to wrap it up with just one last question. Um, so you've been growing strawberries for a while now. Um, what advice would you offer to new growers wanting to start a farm um, that kind of particularly keeping in mind that you might want to have some kind of large community focus such as, as what you all are doing? Well, like I mentioned before, start small, you know, start small where, you know, you know, get a feel of what you're doing because hate someone jump out large and have a bad year the first year and it, you know, can't hardly overcome it. Uh, see what your community needs too. Uh, what's, you know, what's needs to be grown, what, uh, uh, you know, maybe blueberries or something, you know, that kind in your areas or strawberries, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the more of the uh, 
platform agritourism or the agritourism is you know is really uh coming popular mm-hmm. and uh so you know you might go that route but uh but you know start small and then build on it uh you know over the years well thanks so much for joining us here on uh our podcast the southern fruitcast randy we really appreciate you taking the time out i know it's starting to get busy because you're you're our- you mentioned that you're going to be laying plastic here in the next week as soon as it dries out for your fall planting of strawberries. So we appreciate your time. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Southern Fruitcast. Our episodes are hosted by Podbean and also can be accessed on the University of Arkansas's extension website at uaex.edu slash southernfruitcast. Here you can see all of our episodes and provide us feedback to help shape future episodes of this podcast. We'd again like to thank the Southern Region Small Fruit Consortium for funding this podcast. The consortium provides a large library of production and integrated pest management resources at smallfruits.org. We'll be back again soon with more updates on the Southeast small fruit industry and interviews with specialists, researchers, and farmers from across the region.